0: the struggle bus. You've problems just like us. Climb aboard the struggle bus. Let Kate and Sally help you. Welcome to the struggle bus. I'm Kate. I'm Sally. And we're here to fix your lives. That said, we are two people whose only qualifications to give you advice are that we have lots of feelings and lots of opinions. Neither of which are a substitute for professional guidance. What is going on? First of all, <laughs> Catherine, <laughs> you're headphones are askew okay yeah because it's
1: only the left ear that I'm hearing so I'm taking the right ear off actually you because these are noise canceling headphones oh I don't need to and uh, a little bit of a little bit of a trick for the world during auditions you always take one headphone off because you want to not be in your own head too much because when you hear yourself in good headphones it's like wow that's my voice but when you take one off it brings you back in the audition room. And in fact, when I do all voiceover work, I have one headphone off. I never knew. Even for the commercials, yeah.
0: The thing I was going to say until I looked up and noticed that your headphones were amazing on your head (laughs) is that you said neither instead of neither. I did it on purpose, Sally. I'm learning from you. You you made the choice? I I made the choice. I I actually think it sounds better with neither. Neither? I did. But you say neither. I know. My New York accent comes out when I say neither. Is is that what it is? Is it a New York thing?
1: Yeah. I'm trying not to sound New York-y.
0: Do you say aunt or aunt? I say aunt. I say aunt. Aunt. I say aunt and it's been, I've been made fun of for sounding like, like it's like snobby. Like people are like, oh, aunt. Oh, you're aunt. (laughs) I'm like, wait, I thought aunt was the like down home, cool, grounded, real person way to say it. Well, someone's like, ants are things that are in like houses
1: with picnics. I don't know what the. Shut up. Guys, listen, I am. (laughs) Uh so listen, if you want to tweet about uh the, the last conversation we just had, aunt versus aunt, you can
0: tweet at us. Please at, weigh in. Sorry, sorry. <laughs>
1: no. Strugglebuspod at struggle Bus pod. Uh email us at strugglebuspodcast at gmail.com. You can go on our Instagram.com slash the struggle Pod. Sally has this up. I can't explain it. I want to take a picture of your setup which is taking pictures of us. Use the hashtag With struggle. This remote. It's a ama- there's a little tiny remote. Okay, I'll, I'll get back to that I'll in a second. Get back to it. Use the hashtag strugglepodbuds420 to find a struggle buddy. Go on to strugglebuspodcast.com. Tweet at Sally T, me at SBK Heller. To join our super secret Facebook safe space group, email us, at gmail.com. And in the subject, say, please, can I join the group? And if you have a question, send a separate email with uh, the question, word question? I don't know on the subject. Sure. Because uh, we can't we can't read through and do two things at once. Mm-mm. And if you have a hard time getting in or if you hear from us and you haven't gotten in the group yet, just email us again. We will get you in. Facebook is weird about that stuff. So, yeah, guys, um, Sally has. Can you tell me what this is? This, this setup? I'm going to take a picture of the setup. Okay. Go on.
0: So here's the deal. I have to do a project for work, which I'm going to talk about shortly. And it requires me to be able to take pictures uh, with my the phone not – I need my hands free is what I'm saying. Right. So I ordered a tripod, and it also comes with a Bluetooth remote, so I can take pictures remotely. So here I am. That's a selfie stick.
1: On yeah, it's tripod. basically, it's a
0: selfie stick on a tripod with a remote. <laughs> Any more episodes? <laughs> so that's... Selfie stick Excuse on a me, tripod well, with a remote. That, the one thing about the handheld mic is that it's hard for me to type the episode ideas. Ah, there it is. Selfie... So vamp for a second. <clears throat> All right, so listen, guys. Here's the thing about selfie sticks. I did not realize
1: how wonderful they are until I went to uh, Granada, mm-hmm. Spain. And my friend Lauren had one. And she's like, oh, but did you want to try to take a picture with the selfie stick? And I was like, I don't want to look like that person. But you know what? There's nothing wrong with taking selfies, first of all. I True. love selfie culture. I love being able to see how I look and pose accordingly. And um, yeah, it brings the control back to you. It sure does. She could not get it out of my hands. I would not stop. That's incredible. My like, please. I was like, No. This is amazing. It's everything.
0: It's it's a little bit. I got my girlfriend one the first Christmas we spent together. And it was like right around the time that selfie sticks were becoming known as like the absolute nerdiest thing that anyone could ever own and no one should ever have. Hashtag I love it. Yeah. And so I but I didn't know that yet. So I got it for her and she was like, cool, thanks. Because she really likes taking selfies and she takes she's really good at them. She's like She's definitely so mastered. Good. She's really good at it. I was on your Facebook page last
1: night for some reason. I was looking for something mm-hmm. and um, I just saw your picture again that you took together that she'd taken. I see her arm out, or maybe one yeah. of them is yours too. She's Take a me? selfie
0: artist, any good selfie it's definitely the one where you're looking
1: it. at her and she's looking at the camera like you you have this like love in your Aww. eyes. It's so yeah. sweet. God, I miss her so
0: much. oh yes,
1: she's still gone, guys, yeah. so listen, we're recording this on nine eleven because yeah. we will never forget. uh, I actually do want to say this so quick. I have a really tough time today. It's a rough anniversary, and uh, I always feel weird because with all the bullshit happening in the world, like, there's tragedy every day, Mm -hmm. everywhere, so I always feel weird about, you know, feeling sad today. But then I saw something that a certain Jake Bolton, who is Mm -hmm. a a fan of the show, Mm -hmm. and also he's going to be on the next Tell the Bartender, but he posted something to the effect of, you know... He has a 9-11 memory, even though he's British, but he, he came here and he loves New York and and uh, was reminded of some things. And he said, you know, it's okay to be angry at mm-hmm. the war that happened, at, the many wars that happened after and the things that our country is responsible for, but it's also okay to feel sad today. And mm-hmm. I'm like, ugh, because I've been, I don't know, it's rough. It's just a really rough day. The yeah. memories are really hard. It was a really rough I, day.
0: I was not in New York at the time. I had just moved out of New York and I was living in New Haven, but... um. But it is rough, and it's, it's also I think like looking at the next couple months with like Trump in you know in the in the running to be our president. I feel like that happening at the same time as nine eleven is happening, in the same time as like all the other terrible things in the world are happening. It it's like an especially fraught day. I think
1: I'm riddled with anxiety. I I might start crying right now. But listen, guys. More importantly, Sally, how's your week going? Okay, so
0: I just want (laughs) to say, um, I. I'm doing a project for work uh, where I'm drinking butter coffee for a month.
1: I almost spit out my water. There was almost I another spit take.
0: I have to time those better. I
1: don't know what butter coffee is.
0: That's fine. Many people don't. It's basically coffee that you blend. You brew the coffee. You blend it in a blender with butter and oil, this particular kind of oil. A
1: picture of my face.
0: Hold on. <laughs> butter coffee <laughs> picture. Um And then you drink it, and Mm -hmm. people who do it claim all kinds of like health benefits. So I'm doing it for a month. It's been actually like about a a month now, and I'm writing about the experience, and I'm interviewing experts about. I interviewed a gastroenterologist and a nutritionist and a, um, a personal trainer. Anyway, I wanted to take some video of me making the butter coffee, which is why I have this whole set up this like tripod selfie stick remote thing Wow! because the first time I tried to do it I was holding the camera while I was doing everything the, when I say camera I mean phone so <laughs> no, we all know let Listen, me you guys it's <sighs> a camera that happens to make phone calls right right exactly <laughs> let's be honest um and I made this amazing video where I make the coffee and then <laughs> I'm I pour it and and I'm am pouring it from the pitcher in the blender, and it just all whooshes out of the pitcher and spills everywhere. Like it, like a third of it goes into the mug, and then two thirds of it go on either side of the mug. Why did it do that? Because like a champ, I the blender has a lid with a spout, which allows for pouring without a huge mess. I took it off. I'm Don't know so why. Confused. Not sure why. Can I see this? Yeah, I'll play it for you. It's hilarious. So that's. That debacle is why I got this whole setup is because I made this video where you see a pitcher come into the frame and there's a coffee mug and you see the pitcher tip out and the coffee just go everywhere. It's hilarious. I think we should
1: take a bonus video for people who listen. We'll mm-hmm. post it on something of me watching the video I would so love it you don't see the video yet you see because I love those like when John Boyega saw the Star Wars trailer yeah, for the first time yeah. and they had that video of him I love that it's
0: pretty funny I, I texted it to a couple people and they were like well I, I texted it to my boss just to be funny and she was like you're fired I was like that's <laughs> totally fair but it is very funny and so I just wanted to say that uh, I've been watching it basically repeatedly all weekend and just laughing at myself which is Aww. pretty great. Uh, tell me about you,
1: you guys. So later today, I'm meeting with a Canadian doctor who is writing a book on empathy Okay, and why doctors or how doctors can have empathy or something like that. I didn't really listen. But basically, they <laughs> found me a few months ago through Tell the Bartender. Okay. He, I think he thought my live show was a regular live show. Uh, and I was like, no, no, it's just this podcast. But, um, you know, so he wanted to interview me. So his assistant interviewed me. Um, about my history and we got into some really two hours later, we were like still talking and it was a really fascinating conversation about, you know, how I kind of am an empath. Like I know how people Mm -hmm. are feeling. I let energy that other people give wash over me. I definitely Mm -hmm. have to like watch out for that. Also how bartending is such a, it's such a personal thing if you have your regular customers Mm -hmm. and, and all this stuff. And they started talking to me more, and I guess he wants to do a whole chapter about me or something, and I'm like, why not the whole book? But, um, (laughs) so, I am very, I do not like 9-11 as a day, or anniversary, It's just really upsetting, I was here, there was like, yeah, it was just, it was awful, and uh, so... I said, I don't want any, anyway, he's in town and he wants to meet with me and take me out to a bar and chat about bartending. And I'm like any other day of the week, fine, but not today. He's only in town today. So I said to his assistant, I said, listen, I don't like to travel on 9-11. I don't want to get outside of my neighborhood. And also I work really hard. I'm very busy. This is true. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, taking time out of my day. And I learned this from a secret Facebook group I'm in, not ours, a different one. Okay. And The word emotional labor, Mm -hmm. you should get paid for your emotional labor. Mm -hmm. So I actually said that to his assistant. I was like, listen, these are my rates and they're high per hour. I said, you know, this person's going to be writing about me. That's great. But they're going to be making money off me, too. I need to get paid for my emotional labor. And she goes, absolutely. And I told her my price. Next thing you know, he called because I wanted to speak to him too. I was like, and who is this person? I hadn't even Googled him. He's totally fine, you guys. He's wonderful. And I'd actually seen one of his TED Talks and Upworthy before. He's a really cool dude. And uh, he called. He's like, absolutely. We'll pay you. We'll only nice. meet you for an hour. I chose the bar. It's in my neighborhood. You said that. You chose the bar. I chose the bar. That's awesome. And I was like, I said everything that were all of my terms. I was perfectly happy to not do it. And they said Absolutely. And I'm like, holy shit. My entire life, I should start asking for shit more. Like so much more. So much more. And your girlfriend did convince me about like how to, I don't know, she talked about her business Mm -hmm. with me a little bit. And it really helped me understand how to be a better business person Mm -hmm. and how to charge for your skills. Yeah.
0: Knowing what you're worth and being realistic that like you have something people want and they'll pay for. I had no idea how much I'm worth. This is great, guys. I just, I keep picturing you saying... Catherine Heller doesn't get out of bed for less than ten thousand dollars. <laughs> it's true. So start saying that. I hope you charge ten thousand uh, dollars. You know, one. how did you
1: know? Um, no, actually, and my rates keep going up. Like I keep telling people different numbers because I'm like, yeah. And furthermore, yeah, that's like, amazing. That's what happens, guys. I'm really good. I love I'm it. Really good. But I'm I'm very excited. And I'm actually very happy for myself. And then my nephew had his birthday party yesterday, mm-hmm. and it was hilarious. We had a really nice time.
0: Was it at a venue like Chuck E. Cheese or something? Okay,
1: so you haven't seen the pictures yet. No, but it's funny. You should say that because there was somebody dressed up. Uh, as one of the lead characters of Paw Patrol. That's like his show now. Okay. Whatever. Um, So it's at my mother's building. She has a party room upstairs. It's like a, the building is like a private room, Mm -hmm. whatever. It's nice. And we rent to that every, every year. You know, it's just a bunch of kids running around and, adorable. um,
0: How old did he turn? Five. He's
1: five years old. And um, yeah, it was a good day.
0: That sounds fun. Yeah, It was a good day
1: today. I'm just going to, I'm doing this and then doing that thing. And then I'm going to hide back home.
0: Thank you for coming here.
1: Um, oh, no, this is my favorite thing to do. So this okay. is my self-care today okay, okay, seeing cool, you cool. and then getting Same. paid to like... I it, man.
0: I, I, okay, can we talk about this week or yeah.
1: is this bonus episode material? I don't know, man.
0: Well, let me just say, let's just... Let's just do it. Let's spill it. Let's spill it. Um, I, as I talked about uh, last week, like I do love being by myself and I love having my own space and stuff like that, but my girlfriend, you know... After three days, it's enough already, you know, come on. Like, so she's gone for 10 days. And so, um, it's, I'm just too much time. It's right. I, if you're hearing this right now, Andrea, well, if you're hearing this right now, you're uh, already back, but whatever, it's fine. (laughs) Um, no, uh. And so it, it is really cool to do stuff by myself. But at a certain point, I'm like convincing myself that I'm like more excited to do this thing by myself than with her when really I'd rather be doing it with her. Like that's the whole reason that like we want to be like each other's partners forever is because everything is better with the other person, hmm. you know. So like, I don't know. I just got kind of lonely. And then I just got I, I it, like nine eleven is weird because like I have to say that I have a lot of fears about the world and I'm a catastrophic thinker and things that happen freak me the fuck out. So it's like not that much. It's not as much as like my own traumatic memory of 9-11 because I wasn't here. Um, Although I remember it really clearly and I was so fucking scared. But it's more that like... Thinking about nine eleven makes me think of like all the terrible things that happen here and in other places. yeah. Yeah, and like, and also like the Trump thing fucking freaks me the fuck out for like any people in our country, country who are people of color or Muslim or anything. So it definitely. I woke up today just feeling like I was like today is like a weird day, and I don't know how it's gonna feel. And then. You texted me and you were like, "Can I just come over now?" Yeah, I wanted to, and I was like, "Yes, fucking please, come over so
1: early." I was like, "I just want to leave the house" because I was just doing the whole thing where I was, I was going, I, you know, looking at the pictures and remembering, and Mm -hmm. the it was just rough. So yesterday there was a block party uh, Mm -hmm. at my uh, yo my uh, my street really does the block party (laughs) right. I'm not even joking. I went to bed at like 10:30, and uh, what was that? Whoop! There it is. It's still blaring. I'm telling you, the kids are in bed. The adults are. Partying. I love it. It was great. But the block party is weird cuz there's like um they like to bring out the fire truck so the kids are all like I uh, want to take a picture okay. in the fire truck. I want to be a fire and it's adorable and all my neighbors and whatever and I look at the fire truck. So, my nephew is named Christian and mm-hmm. he's named he's named after uh he's named after well, my sister says he isn't but he is. They were friends in high school. Christian Renegard was a uh, a fireman and oh. I didn't realize until he died that he was my fireman like he was in my the Red Hook a fire department so I saw his name on the fire truck that was outside our building oh, yesterday and it had just been Christian's birthday and it was all this stuff and I was like "Ugh!" and there's children in the fire truck I took a picture from my sister and then I sent it to her today and she was like it was just a lot of emotions and um you know listen it was it was just you know and then also the thing that really affects me about 9-11 is um the rage America had at other mm-hmm. countries was also scary. Mm, and then, of course, scary. the years after, the just never-ending wars and back and forth. And it's just been a really rough time. Yeah. It's been 15 years of this fighting I and know. violence. And, you know, we live in a violent world, unfortunately. It's just – it's almost like you can't take a break from it.
0: I know. I and know. I
1: especially – you know, I'm sorry, I'm just keep going on. No, no, please, um,
0: please.
1: The Trump thing, it's upsetting. You know, and this week earlier, Sally and I were raging because rape culture and all these comedians came out with this video with like, hey, here's not to rape. Aren't we adorable? And it's like, shut the fuck up. Literally five guys in that video were problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, So I, it's hard. It's just a rough reminder of violence mm-hmm. and this, I'll say it, toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's women who are angry too. Who are like, yeah, kill them. And it's like, Everything about that day was just so sad, so yeah. tragic and unnecessary and every
0: day. Yeah. I was recently remembering, I don't even know who we were, maybe, maybe we were talking to our friends in Canada when we were there, but we were talking about how right after 9-11, there were these like huge American flags everywhere. People had like, I, cause I was living in New Haven, which is a driving city. So there are a lot of cars and like people had flags like on either side of their windshields. People were like, I'm people who had never had flags outside their homes had these huge flags. And all of a sudden there was just this like such intense nationalism and jingoism and xenophobia. And it, it's hard to remember that. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, I was like 22, I Mm -hmm, guess when it happened. And I don't really remember people being this aggressively chauvinistic about being an American before 9-11. Mm. Maybe I just wasn't paying as close attention because I was like a lot younger. But Sorry. I, I remember Mad Men. Come on. There were always <laughs> that's that's a good point. They love their American <laughs> flags. But like, um, I don't know. It just it just seems like our orientation towards the rest of the world Um, I think I guess we've always been sort of like, hey, we're better than you. That's why we're going to like assassinate your country's democratically Mm. elected leader or like we're better than you. That's why we're going to like come in and like fix your problems, quote unquote. But like I just I feel like it's gotten more intense and also much more focused on um Muslims and on people of color, basically. Absolutely, you know.
1: That's the thing is, I mean, as 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 sad and angry and nervous as I am, I'm like, I it just must be so hard for so many people. Uh, everything that's going on right now is a really tough time. Yeah, it's a tough time. But seeing you, Sally, is literally like I was sitting at home, looking at the clock, saying, and I was like, right, how. Sally's up. Yeah. I know she's up. We've been texting. Yeah. She's always 15 minutes early to my place. Yeah. Why don't I go 15 minutes early to her place? And of course, I was exactly on time because the trains on Sunday. I forgot. They're like (laughs) a mess. (laughs) We'll run when we want to.
0: Yeah. You could have shown up at like 535 a.m. and you would have like found me at the kitchen table holding the mic. I was awake. (laughs) By the way, guys.
1: So speaking of, I mean, can we actually go into a thing we did yeah, let's or are we because I yeah, that was a that was a lot. Yeah. Um, a thing we did. So listen, it goes back to so last night my boyfriend is a bartender. He came home at five and I woke up when he came home because we've been like all over each other lately. I love him mm-hmm. so much. It's one of those things where we just were reminded again of how important we are to each other. And listen, relationships are hard and mm-hmm. you do make compromises. But oh my God, my boyfriend is I got up like a little dog last night when he came and I was like, I want to cuddle with you. Also, you know, I was feeling nervous about the day. And so we ate food and we watched Animaniacs. And then I was like, oh, my God, you're so adorable. Everything about you is so adorable. And then I went back to sleep. So I would have. I should have stayed up and been like, Sally, let's do this. <laughs> but um, we did an impromptu date night. Mm. So. I have been so stressed out about money and time. And I realized I had a really good month last month. I hit my goals. Nice. My clients are wonderful. I'm working my ass off, but it's good. Mm-hmm. And my boyfriend's been stressed. School has started. Also, you know, always money, always these things. And I said, you know what? And then I end up getting paid more for a job than i'd ask for because the person's like i just love you and want to give you money and i was like you know Whoa. what this is like free money yeah and i i went home and i said actually no i texted him i was like can i take you out tonight uh-huh. i was like i want to have fun i don't want to worry about prices i yeah. want to just like go out but um we went out and we got dressed up i took him for a cocktail at my favorite little cocktail fancy bar well, we each had well, like a well. per, he had a perfect martini i had a gin martini it was adorable it comes a little Old school martini glasses, the ones that are like the, um, like, um, yeah, yes, exactly. I love yes, these. I'll say it. We went to Clover Club. Oh, a I, was, nice place. I was actually
0: going to ask you to tell me off, Mike. But okay, well, awesome. You I've never been lo- there. My
1: friend owns it actually. I've you heard will good love things. Love. This oh, really? Play. It's 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 exactly what you want it to be. The bartenders all like look like Gold Prospect does, you know, and they're they're all dressed up. But it takes like ten minutes to get your drink, but they make it like it's beautiful. Ooh. and um, and then we went to. <laughs> There's this restaurant in our neighborhood. Listen, I live in Brooklyn in a place that is still very, you know, mafia-esque. Mm-hmm. There's social clubs that are private, and there's a restaurant, you can look this up called Marco Polo. Mm-hmm. It is owned I've by it, yeah. it is a wonderful historic. I'm not going it, it's not owned by the mob, but people have talked about this place for years. Gotcha. It is old school. They have uh, they make their own pasta. They have this thing called the uh, fettuccine in the uh, cheese wheel, and they literally bring out this gigantic wheel of cheese. Oh, my God. Scrape the cheese and put the fettuccine fresh off the steaming thing into the cheese wheel in front of you. Whoa. Yeah, there's like a a flame and a thing. It's like a whole presentation. It's like the Benihana of Italian. (laughs) That's (laughs) incredible. And we've always wanted to go there. And listen, the food's really good. It's not like the most amazing, but you go for the experience. It's just so old school. The owner used to sing opera every night. Like, it's just... Right.
0: And we went to Marco Polo. That sounds so great. And it was
1: fun. And he got the cheese wheel and, you know, I got whatever it is I could eat. And um, it was and by that, I mean, guys, I'm vegan. So heads up like some restaurants. I ate a little bit of cheese that night because I had to definitely paid for it the next yeah, day. Really? Yeah. Yeah. But I kind of wanted to just take him out and let him know how much I appreciate him. I mean, I do every day, but there's a reason we all work so hard, mm-hmm. especially in New York. It is so expensive mm-hmm. to live here. Every now and again, like it literally changed our relationship overnight. We have been so worried about things. And we said from now on, we will at least have a couple dates every few weeks or a month. We go to a place near us and play Scrabble every Sunday. Not every Sunday, but some Sundays. And we're like, yes, we need this yeah we need this time
0: you got to build that stuff in because I feel like when you're living with someone if you don't build stuff in it like never happens because you're yep. like oh, eh, we see each other all the time it's fine
1: it's different it, you turn into roommates sometimes yeah you got to remind yourself that you're not roommates just because it's New York and every apartment is small
0: right I love that you did like it's a, a date it's like a Mid century, you did you did like a Mad Men date. You like went out for a fancy cocktail, and then you went to like an old school Italian place. But I paid. I love it. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Lean in. Well, it's actually
1: on my on the person who gave me the extra money. Okay. That was nice. Thank you, that person. Thanks, uh, Mallory. I'll say it. Cool. Her name's Mallory. She's love that lovely. name. Mallory. Thank you.
0: Um, I let me tell you about a thing I did, which I mentioned in our Facebook group. I went to sleep every single night for like the last week for the last six days I've gone to sleep by 9 30 every night and actually a few nights before nine
1: I love going (laughs) to bed early and don't look ashamed I said to you last night I'm going to bed early tonight so it'll soon be tomorrow and I can see you
0: totally I you know I definitely already keep a kind of like early to bed early to rise schedule happy and wise but going to bed at like nine or before nine is kind of, it was kind of like a next level thing. And I was, because I mean, the thing is like, it's just gotten dark out. And if this were like a month ago, it would like still be light out. But, uh, it, it, it's awesome. I feel really well rested, but I it also has meant that I've been waking up at like 4.45 every day. <laughs> and if you start the day at 4.45, by the time 4 p.m. comes, you are, it's like dinner yeah, time. Yeah. And then it's time to put on the old PJs and get into like bed that. and do it again. I dig that though. Um, so it's a really nice, I don't think I'd want to keep this exact schedule every day, but it's been really nice. Like now that's just me in the apartment to be like, you know what? You know what I do? I go to bed at 8.45. Uh, let
1: me tell you the best thing about the date night we got home at 9.30. We were going to watch a movie. We went to bed.
0: so good. We just passed so out. I mean, he
1: ended up getting up and doing some work because he's a night owl, but yeah. I was in bed at 9.30.
0: So that's the one thing about New York that like never has like gelled with me is that people like to start their night at like 8 o'clock or no. 8.30. People are like, can you guys have dinner? Like, how's 8.30? And I'm like, uh, an hour before I get into bed. That's how, <laughs> that's how 8.30 is. But like a week ago, I had friends in town and- they suggested meeting up at five, which I was so psyched about because they had a very limited time in New York. So we wanted to like, get as much time as we could. I was so psyched. We got together at five. We hung out with them until 10. That's like a sweet five hour hang. Mm-hmm. And we were in bed by 10, 15. Mm-hmm. It was like, it's the only way to do it. Perfect. Right?
1: Yeah. Well, when I went to Granada, though, um, my friend, I, you know, she has young kids. And I was like, oh, if we get here at six, is it dinner time? She's like, Catherine, they don't do dinner till 11 here. I was like, that's a joke. No. I mean, 10. Oh 11. God. Yeah, they they are not
0: joking about that schedule. That is brutal. It was rough. I, was I like, would be I would be so hungry and so tired. I was kind of cranky. I was like, but I want
1: to go to bed now.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I know. Eat.
1: Right. Oh, man. Anyway, we, we listen. Did we talk for about a half hour on awesome things? Yes. Are we going to
0: get to you? Sure. Maybe. Oh, we, we can mean, make this yes, a long episode. That's
1: true. We Maybe can. we'll add some more bird sounds. Make and it a three-hour long episode. Love it. I will do that.
0: <laughs> Don't do not tempt us. We will do it.
1: But listen, we're actually going to be talking soon about bonus shows mm-hmm. and people who asked if they can give us some money. Mm-hmm. We came up with a really cool package mm-hmm. of becoming members and what can happen if you do. So yeah. keep keep tuned.
0: What? Stay yeah. tuned. Stay tuned because we we started to talk about just trying to bring in some money to like defray the cost of the podcast because podcasts are cheaper to make than like a Hollywood blockbuster, but But. they do cost (laughs) us money. It Um, It adds up. And so we wanted to give you guys some additional stuff. While also giving us guys some money, Yeah. and so we have some really exciting stuff in the works, and hopefully soon we'll we'll make it available to everyone. But so everyone, get out your wallet, yeah, and get will ready there be to surprise asshole pins, maybe, just maybe. Will I read you bedtime stories? I mean, it's Sally possible. Will rant on a mm-hmm, topic? Mm-hmm. I don't know. All right, it's gonna happen. So stay tuned, and we'll we'll announce how to do that sometime in the next few episodes, probably? Yeah, sure, whatever. Cool. (laughs) We had a good meeting. It'll happen. All right, cool. So, uh, do you want me to read the first one, or Um, do you
1: want to read it? Can you I do not mind read the first one this is from the person wants to be called Neville Longbottom Mm -hmm. by the way the guy
0: who played him in the movies yeah so cute yeah that is now I feel like that's called longbottoming because he got really hot
1: he is I didn't want to say yeah he's very good looking he's
0: super although someone I work with recently did a post of where are they like where are the supporting cast like what do they look like now supporting cast of Harry Potter a lot of them got really hot
1: Yeah. Not just Neville. By the way, speaking of hot, I can't believe I didn't talk about two seconds, you guys. Real quick story. I was at an audition and I met the guy who played Daredevil's dad on the Netflix show and I freaked out a little bit, took a photo with him. I go home, I'm walking down the street to my apartment and I, I lock eyes with a very good looking very familiar man Mm -hmm. now I'm really high off the oh my god I met daredevil's dad like Mm -hmm. how can this day get any better Keegan-Michael Key was (gasps) filming outside and it was him that's so cool and I walked right by and I knew not to say anything because I was like I'm not gonna I mean he's but I mean you know he kind of smiled like yep it's me and I was like oh my god and a guy got on the phone and I was like Alex you have to get out here right now it's him he gave my cookie, and he's like, "Oh my god!" And uh, I did say, "Oh my god, he's so good looking." And then I felt bad. My boyfriend's like, "No, he's a very good looking he's man." Very good looking. I felt weird, like I was talking to him, like he was my uh,
0: girlfriend. I was right. like, "Oh my god, he's so hot!" I was like, "But you know," and
1: he's like, "No, you can say it."
0: I mean, you know, what are oh. you going to deny that he's a hot man?
1: And then he was like walking behind me, and then he starts laughing, and I was like, "Oh my god, that's his laugh!" I was like, "Alex, that's his laugh," and he's mm-hmm. like, "No, I know. It's it's please come home. That's weird." Um,
0: what what do you think he was filming? Do you know?
1: there's a movie or something. Okay. I I they had the name of it, but I. I there's always trucks and stuff. They film the Americans every yeah. other day outside. Uh, it, they film a lot of stuff in okay. my neighborhood. So I was like, oh, just another day. <gasps> oh, my oh God. My it's him. God. That's a
0: really good sighting. I wish
1: I said hi. It's
0: like a mid-level. I, I feel like the mid-level celebrity sightings are always better than like this. Because like you see a super famous person. They don't even seem like a real human. So it's like you whatever. He's
1: mid-level? Because to me, you see, I have my own list in my head of like Dave Foley. That's someone yeah. I would freak out but over. Do you know what I mean? But
0: I think like. Yeah, but I feel like a lot of people, I feel like to us, this is like the height of celebrity. But to like mainstream America, it's like, sorry, who?
1: Here's how bad this is. The woman next to him who is clearly shooting with him, I think might have been Sandra Bullock. And I didn't care. (laughs) Didn't even register. Didn't even register. I was like, oh, she looks familiar. (gasps) Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh, Speaking of, yeah. And she's clearly A-list. Yeah. And he's, you know, unfortunately not.
0: Yeah, I don't know. He seems like he's doing well though for himself, so it's fine. I guess
1: we'll get to some listener questions. All right.
0: I just, I just really wanted to talk about that. It was a great day, guys. A great day. Uh, no, that's a good one. It's a really good sighting. All right, so this is Neville Longbottom. <laughs> Hi, Kate
1: and Sally. I've been thinking about writing for a while because there's something I wanted to ask advice about and I decided to do it when I heard your 61st episode because I now also want to include a big old thank you to Catherine for articulating something I felt for a long time about a specific type of mansplainer, which she did amazingly in the cartoon she posted about the guy who thinks it's his responsibility to, quote, push the conversation in a necessary direction. The dude who sees his own conclusion and complicated thought process as a blessing that he would mercifully bestow upon the world of sheep Mm -hmm. that he was sent to enlighten. Can you tell my blood boils when I think of people who do this? Thank you, Neville. Anyhow, loved the cartoon, loved how you read it out on the podcast. Now my advice request, which is about band boundaries and families as soon as I turned 18 I moved as far away from my family as possible (laughs) literally oceans away at first I stayed very much in touch as I had not thought my motives through and felt guilty and ashamed when I realized I was angry at my family as time went on, I realized there was more to my flight than just wanderlust and turn to a therapist. After about a year of therapy, I came to the conclusion that my only sibling has been a constant toxic presence in my life, which has led me to alienate my whole family. My sibling is a manipulator and extremely self-centered. There was also one instance of sexual abuse by my sibling when we were both children. They are three years older than me. I've come to as much healing as I can this point in my life. I do realize I need more therapy and my relationship with my sibling stays something I need to process. It's nasty and complicated and confusing, because the sexual abuse could almost be considered childhood curiosity on their part, but that doesn't mean I did not experience trauma. And their consistently manipulative and abusive behavior cannot be excused simply because it started in my childhood. This was a hard realization, but a useful one that led to a therapy session with my parents. After more therapy, I came to realize I had alienated my parents as well as my sibling. I talked about that with my mother, and she was surprisingly understanding because up until then, she had been really protective of my. Sibling and also very blindsided by their manipulations. They tended to hog my parents and keep me at bay. I realize this is extremely hard for my parents as they have both my siblings and my interest at heart. Me speaking more about this has been heartbreaking for my mom. Though she has been understanding and trying very hard to be supportive of me setting boundaries with my sibling. She told me recently that she understood if I didn't want to spend time with my sibling, which was life-changing. I do think this might be where I stand on the boundaries I'm trying to set. I recently moved back to the continent my parents are on, still far, but we are now more accessible to each other. I think this This is the time where I get a chance to reconnect with my parents. So far, every time I've been around my parents, my sibling has made sure to be around as well. And here comes the tricky thing. How do I set different boundaries with my sibling and with my parents? I've alienated myself from my whole family, and it is really hard to come back to my parents while trying not to be around my sibling. Do I tell my parents again clearly that I do not want a relationship to my sibling knowing it breaks their hearts to hear it or do i just try to sneak around and avoid contact with them p.s i'm not good with boundaries to start with this is a hard thing to do with intention i'll take any advice you got much love and thanks for keeping me company on the struggle bus neville and neville added three little bus emojis Mm -hmm. very cute so cute
0: uh sally that's a lot It is. um, Neville, congratulations though on like setting boundaries and having intention to like set more boundaries or keep boundaries and make new ones. I think that's awesome and really, really hard to do. Um, I think, I think that sometimes when you tell people some something intense, like you tell your parents, like, I can't be around my sibling. I think sometimes you end up having to tell them more than once, which isn't fair. It's, like, completely unjust. But I think, like, part partially it's because I think it's, like, hard for parents to process that this might be like that their kids might not get along or one kid hurt the other kid. um, And it forces them to like grapple with what they did or didn't do to contribute to your hurt. And so I think that like kind of prevents things from like really, really sinking in sometimes. Um, And I think like, I think all of us also do this thing where maybe someone says a thing that they don't like or that they wish would stop, but then they don't, they say it once and then, like, time passes and we're just like, well, they haven't brought it up in a while. Maybe they're fine with it. Like, I, make, could it possibly be that, like, maybe your parents think, like, you feel okay about it now or time has passed and so it's okay to try being around your sibling? Like, I just – I think there are a lot of things that particularly when it comes to relationships between children and parents, like, it might take a little bit more um, – verbalizing what you need directly to them until you get the effect you want. Um and I think that your mo- it sounds like your mom has already shown that she's really understanding of your needs even though it as you said breaks her heart. Um so I would I would try talking to them about it again and I think like I I like don't think that kids I'm a firm believer in kids not needing to take care of their parents' feelings around a thing that involves their kids. Mm. Like, I think like, I mean, I I don't think you should go out of your way to like make it sting or like turn the knife. But like, I, I think that like your parents will just have to sit with their feelings around you not wanting to be in touch with your sibling. And like, that's their job as parents. That's their job as adults. And if they feel sad or disappointed, like they can work those feelings out. I don't think that them potentially having those feelings are enough of a reason for you to do something that makes you feel really uncomfortable and bad or triggered. So I would, uh, in as, you know, in as kind a way as you can try talking about it again. Well, Catherine, said. what do you think?
1: Well, absolutely. Everything you said. And also, you know, the, the saying, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? So it sounds like your sibling's been the squeaky wheel for life and, It's possible that your parents literally did not know that you, too, were having problems. Mm -hmm. Like, they seem to, if the person, the sibling is hogging your parents' attention, it's possible they know that your sibling's been problematic or is a handful or something. And I guess, yeah, you have to advocate for yourself because it doesn't mean they're bad parents, you know. I mean, no one's perfect. but it's possible they really didn't know that you're hurting. Like, you have to, and I completely agree with Sally, it it feels weird to have to say it, Mm -hmm. but once you learn that not everyone's psychic, not everyone, you know, Mm -hmm. knows what's going on, It is a hard thing for a parent to hear, but it sounds like your mom, at least, is very open to this discussion. And as much as she would like for it to go away and feel like a failure as a parent, because I have heard this from my mother when my sister and I had a a very rough, rough couple uh, months, it it just hurts. My mother said it just hurts my heart to see this happening, but she fully understood my feelings. Mm -hmm. So if your mother is dealing with it in any way she is dealing with it, then that's on her to deal with it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's going to hurt her. But I think overall, especially with the way you've said, how much better you feel without this person. Mm -hmm. And it is, you're doing all the right things. Therapy. I mean, even family therapy. I commend you. That is, that's huge. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And you don't always have to not be in touch with this person. It's a really weird feeling, but I'll tell you right now, it sounds like, you know, it's good for you. Mm -hmm. Your parents have to come around at some point point. Um, they will, but it's not your job to change their minds, but it is your job to remind them of what you need, yeah. unfortunately. I, I, I wish my mother knew all these things about certain things, but she's done so much. Like, there are certain things that parents need
0: to hear. Mm-hmm. It sucks, but, you know. I think it's also hard when there's a sibling who is manipulative or toxic or just you know, emotionally abusive because they do suck all of the air out of the room. They are the focus of everyone's attention. And it's because oftentimes I think that happens because parents are trying to like practice harm reduction, yeah. like because a kid is like being such a handful that they need to be tended to constantly. But the thing that sucks is that it means that like anything that's not that kid doesn't get tended to, which yep. feels really shitty. Um, so I really um, I mean, I relate like I-, I have a sibling I don't talk to um, and it's it's a really hard dynamic. And I know that, like, I know my parents, it bums them out when there's any discord between me and my siblings. And But, like, I think also parents, I don't know, In a, in a perfect world or in an ideal world, like, they didn't go into becoming parents being like, we're doing this yeah. on the condition that everything always goes perfectly all the time. Right. And if it doesn't, we'll be heartbroken forever. I think, like, you go into parenthood knowing that, like, it's a total... Uh, roll of the dice. So, and your parents sound really, at least your mom, you didn't mention your dad. Your mom seems really, I mean, the fact that you got her to go to family therapy and that she's been understanding is incredible. And I think like, like one other way to think about it, like I, I think about this sometimes, like when I feel like I need something from a person or I need something in a relationship, I try to calculate, I might've already said this before in the podcast, but I try mm-hmm. to calculate the like intensity of my need on a scale of 1 to 10 and then I try to calculate how much they would be hurt on a scale of 1 to 10 and if my need like for example in your case like if your need to not be around your sibling is at like a 9 and your you would estimate your mother's potential heartbreak at like a five. I feel like you should definitely say something again. Um, on the other hand, if you needed something that was really minor and you were like, oh, it's like a three, but it would hurt your mom's feeling and feelings to the point where it would be like a nine, then, then, then that's a thing that you would just like suck it up and deal with it. But it does not sound like that's the case. It seems like for your mental health, you need to not be around your siblings. So I would keep pursuing that. And as far as not being good with boundaries to start with, uh
1: huge, you know, congratulations to anyone who is because yeah, I, unfortunately, you got to learn it. Mm-hmm. It's really weird. It's something that I've only learned about recently. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize I was doing it when I was a kid, but I, now that I know more about it, I feel like I'm getting better at it. Mm-hmm. And actually now I kind of enjoy setting boundaries. I feel more powerful mm-hmm. about what I want and really having a conversation with myself with yeah. what I need. So it's it's a weird feeling, but I guarantee you it's gonna get easier. Yeah. Just keep doing it. And um yeah, you really you know the answer is that you cannot be around your sibling. And I think your parents, no matter what, will learn to honor that. You may have to remind them. I mean, they might, weird. but they also
0: might not. They I mean, might not too. They, they might not ever. in which case you'll learn how to take care of yourself around it. But I, it sounds like you don't totally know yet because your circumstances have changed. Like now you're around them more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, boundary setting should be taught in school. Why aren't we taught that? Why do we have... What's a stupid class we don't need? Math. Mm -hmm. Why do we have math? So true. And we could have like boundary setting 101.
1: Yeah. I mean, also like it's the same thing with consent culture Mm -hmm, and like, you know, how we teach our kids. I get really uncomfortable at the birthday party and I've heard this before when it's like, okay, give grandma a kiss now. Now give everyone a kiss. It's like kids, if they don't want to kiss you goodbye, they shouldn't ever be forced to hug you or kiss you. I
0: could not, like if that was your presidential platform- I would vote for you. I, I'm i so here for that. I
1: hate it. Some relatives I didn't get a good vibe from and I didn't want to hug and or kiss them. I shouldn't have been forced to do that. No, it's a weird
0: I, thing we teach our yeah. kids. My, my parents never made me do that. Thank God. But like, Ugh, I, I'm jealous. And I mean that. Yeah. But but in times when like an adult just comes for you because like they they think that that's like uh, the proper thing to do. I just was like, can you get your face away from my face? I yeah. don't know you.
1: I have been doing this when I babysit and stuff, and if they ever say, okay, say goodbye to Catherine, I always go, you know what? You don't have to. I'll see you around. High five if you want. Hug. Right. I don't care. And then right? like, sometimes they'll hug me. Sometimes they'll high five. Sometimes they'll wave and walk away. Right. I'm not going to take it personally because a child doesn't want to touch me. Right. That's weird. I know. I, I'm with you. Sorry, guys. Anyway, point being, boundaries.
0: Am I right? <laughs> boundaries are amazing. Ah, good stuff. Okay. So, um, yeah, I think that that helped, Link right? I think that covers it. Um, Neville, keep us posted. Yay.
1: Excuse me. Thank well, you for the compliment and and for guys. Well, yeah. While well, you make those notes about uh, potential episode titles, yes. Um, I just want to remind you that the cartoon. I probably should post it somewhere. I'll post mm. the cartoon on on podcast dot com. Cool. Um, just because I did make a, a cartoon about. I was alluding to rape culture and talking about how people on the internet, especially Facebook, when you're like, oh yeah, this thing happened to me, and then a guy's like, well, actually, and it's like, uh, When you made
0: that cartoon? I did. The one with the text that's getting yeah. smaller. Oh my god, I made it. That's fucking amazing. I drew it and wrote it. Shut up. Are you serious right now? Yeah, I thought that you knew that. I know. I I thought that you found it somewhere. No, I made it. I and wrote you were it. like, "Oh, this is." Am-. I signed it. I signed the bottom. Stop just in it. Case. Yeah. I didn't notice. I, I I like to to doodle. Damn it, Catherine! You are like a one-stop shop for all creative things. It's incredible. My brother texted me completely. Actually, no, he didn't text me. Called me out of the blue and was like, "I have to talk to you about that cartoon. That was so awesome. I loved that."
1: There was one person who told me that his girlfriend didn't agree. with with my parallel about rape, and I think that they misunderstood that I was like, it's just like rape, like that's not oh, at all yeah. what I was saying. It's more like how people on the internet talk to you when right. you say I've been, I've had this bad experience, and they're like,
0: mm, did you? And yeah, it's like, yeah, I yeah. don't need
1: your, um, because yeah, if somebody gets a computer stolen, guys, listen, it's a it's a whole episode ago, yeah. but it's fun, and I'll post it. But yeah, um, you should,
0: you definitely should. Thanks. Okay, so. The All second right. email is from Tubbs. Yay. Um, dear Sally and Kate, longtime listener. I see what they did there. Second time caller. This is Tubbs. I asked about choosing between two different types of grad programs in an episode a few months ago. I had a quick question about how to approach a family member about their behavior. I love my mom a lot and we get along pretty well most of the time, but the way she treats people in customer service positions embarrasses me and makes me feel so hard for those employees. I usually try to give them a knowing look being like baby boomers, am I right? But I'd really like to try to talk to her about it and explain that just because she is having a bad day or because the company made a mistake doesn't mean that she should take it out on an individual employee. However, my mom doesn't always react well to criticism, and I don't want talking to her about it to cause a rift. Is there a way that I can tactfully try to bring this up to her without making her feel like she's being criticized or attacked? Thank you again. Best, Tubbs. Mm, I have a lot to say about this.
1: Go on. So... I love my mom and I, I, I totally, I think I know what you're talking about and I've worked in the service industry for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Um, there comes a point when someone's always been a certain way and then they hit 60. Cause I know when I hit 40, I was like, there go all my fucks. Um, (laughs) my, my mother's lived a really intense life and there's times where she's like, I don't know, man, if I want something the way I want it, I'm just going to say it. And it may come off as being aggressive towards a customer service person or a, a waiter or something. But I don't know. I think, um, sometimes if someone's going to behave in a way, even if it's embarrassing, I would maybe say something once, but also in the back of your mind, understand that old habits die hard. Mm. Know this ahead of time when you walk into the situation. It isn't your job to save the world. It would be wonderful if everyone knew how a restaurant worked and why the waiter's taking so long. But we don't live in that world. And I got to be honest, I had to just sort of give up after a while. She's not like terribly rude to people. She just doesn't get it sometimes. Mm So I don't know exactly what you're talking about, but I think if you're saying your mother's a little rude to waiters or customer service people, it is annoying. But unfortunately, I don't know. I would let it go. I would let it go,
0: but it really depends on the situation. We didn't go into detail. Sally thoughts. Um, I, there's like nothing that makes me more uncomfortable than being out with someone and having them be rude to someone who's serving them or even overhearing someone on the phone with like a customer service representative and having them be a monster. Um, I actually went on a date once, like an OK Cupid date, and this woman was so rude to the host <gasps> that I was like, and we're done. Wow. I was just like, don't like who who what are you showing me here? Like your lack of humanity. Yeah. Um, that said, I don't think it's always lack of humanity. I think sometimes it's like you had a bad day or you're you don't really understand, you've never worked in the service industry, et cetera. Um, but I do understand that it's really upsetting and it would be really hard for me to be around someone. I, I would like probably not want to spend that much time in public with that person. Um, so that's rough. I mean, I think I will go back to what I said to the fir- to Neville, which is like, you know, I, I think that like, if you come at someone in a kind, compassionate way, um, you, you know, it's not your problem to worry about their feelings. I think yeah. if you were to go up to your mom and be like, listen, asshole, you do this thing and it's fucking bullshit and I'm over it. So <laughs> scram my way or the highway. And and then your mom got really mad. I'd be like, eh, you probably should have done it a nicer way. But if you can approach her in a way where you can like preface with like, you know, this isn't meant to hurt or attack you. I want to talk to you about a thing. I think I'm always a big fan of, of a preface that's like, That's like, I don't even know how to talk about this with you, but I'm going to try. I think that's a fine preface. Um, The other thing that I would think about is like why it is that you want to talk to her about it. Like what, what is like the impetus for you to want her judgment? I mean, her uh, behavior to change. Is it, is it because it's embarrassing that she does it when you're with her? Mm. Is it because like, is it a golden rule thing where you're like, everyone should be nicer to each other? Is it like more of like a, a thing around class where it's like it's uncomfortable that like maybe she's speaking to someone who's like in the service industry when she's you know not in the service industry like is it is it because like it's important that if you spend time with someone they have the same values as you I think there are like a lot of different reasons and maybe it's like a little bit of all those and other stuff too but I think that if you clarify why you need this from her it might help you figure out exactly how to approach it Ah. because like if it's a thing that's like you know, like I, I feel like if, if I went to someone, if I went to a parent and I was like, you do this thing that I, I hate that you do, can you please change it? I think that is different than like, you know, I have these really strong values about what it's like, you know, about like class or about our economy or about, um, you know, how to treat people who are serving you. And when we're together, it would, you know, it would make me feel so much better if, I felt like you shared my values, or you, or you, you showed your respect for my values by talking to these people in a nicer way. I, I think like that is is one way to approach it. That might feel like less of an attack, but I think I think the f- figuring out the approach is like something that can only happen once you clarify to yourself exactly why you need this from your mom, yeah. because not everyone necessarily would. Some people might be like. Um, I don't like this. I would never behave like this. But whatever they do is whatever they do, and it's fine. So, um, and I think it's fine. You feel this way. Like I think I would feel this way actually. Um, but to conclude mm-hmm. and probably repeat what I've already said, I think figure out exactly why you need your mom to do this, and then go from there. Yeah, yeah.
1: I think it's hard without any specific examples. Um, but I think they
0: both gave some good advice. Yeah, let us know because uh, I would say something.
1: that yeah, it's hard. Yeah, that's a really good point.
0: Yeah. I think, you know, uh, I think it's a totally like, I think it's fair game. I think it's like a fair thing to ask of someone that you spend a lot of time with. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially if it has to do with your values and if mm. it were, if it were like, if, if you wanted her to stop like biting her nails in front of you, like that would be like a harder sell because like it, like it's her nails, it doesn't affect you, but mm, you know, being out in public noise. with someone, <laughs> but <laughs> that said, please don't bite your nails in oh. front of me. Um, no, but yeah. So I think, uh, I think, you know, Uh, go for it be gentle be nice and and see if you can't uh, make her be nicer to people yeah Um,
1: okay this this last email is a huge trigger warning Um, by the way I say huge you say huge of course you
0: do I say huge (sighs) my dad my dad says he drops H's he says huge and human yeah I do that too yeah I used to I respect it I get in a lot of trouble for doing that at auditions. They're like, Yeah, you can't you can't do that. I'm like, no, no. You oh they itch you have to say Isn't I mean, it's like I guess yeah, I guess they don't want you to sound like you have listen, like a regional. Is thing. it humana or humana? Who
1: knows? Who can say? Who can say? Who, who can say who can say? Um so trigger warning rape, being sexually aroused by rape, sexual violence, child molestation, sexual assault, coercion, and abuse. So this is a hard letter to hear and and, and I just wanna throw that out there. You know, maybe you stop listening now if it's going to be upsetting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, okay. I'm very interested in talking about this. Um, oh, name. Oh, yes, their choice. They chose Ashes. Yeah. Okay. Hi, guys. I just recently found your podcast, and I love it. I couldn't have found it at a better time in my life. I've overcome a lot. Self-harm, addiction, severe depression, and now I'm facing a hurdle I've been avoiding for years. I was drugged and raped and less than six hours later raped again while conscious by two different men. One was a friend, quote unquote, the other a complete stranger. It went to trial. I testified and he was convicted. I was 14. I'm going to try to make this as short as possible. I was alone through the whole thing, both both physically and emotionally. My dad was absent and my mother was on autopilot due to depression. She was also dealing with the divorce my two sisters' drug-slash-alcohol addiction, and now with what I had going on. She was either working or sleeping. I had no friends. My entire school knew about it, including most of the staff. I read an article online about myself. People were blaming me. Stupidly, I commented, trying to defend myself. I basically made a fool of myself, and people ridiculed me for it. The only thing my father ever said about it to me was, how do you think this makes me look? After he shouted at me that I'd be raped again if I walked on the sidewalk in front of both my cousins and sisters. Everywhere I went, people looked at me with pity, disgust, or just plain awkwardness. He got out on bail at one point. He was everywhere I went. That's how it felt, at least. Basically, it was a traumatic time in my life. Now I struggle with sex. I feel like I'm sexually off. Fucked up things, child molestation, rape, anything sexually violent, make me feel aroused. I don't enjoy it or want it. I don't find children sexually appealing and would never ever do that to a child ever. And for some fucked up reason, it makes me aroused. I can't help it and it's so disgusting. My first relationship was very sexual. All the time, every day. I felt like the only reason he wanted me at his house was so he could have sex with me when he wanted. At that time, I was too insecure and naive to say anything. I didn't even know it was super unhealthy. And now I'm in a relationship again. My boyfriend treats me very well when he wants. He can be very controlling about stupid shit. If I'm at his house and I'm hungry, I can't make anything if he doesn't feel like letting me. Or I can't microwave cold cake if he doesn't feel like letting me. But that's beside the point. He gets super annoyed if I don't want to have sex and can't seem to wrap his head around the fact that, I, that sometimes I just don't feel like it. And he always wants a reason why not. I honestly never really want to have sex anymore. Not because I'm not attracted to, attracted to him, but for my own reasons. But I have sex with him anyway sometimes, even if I'm screaming no in my head. And when he's drunk, he gets super aggressive about sex and sometimes tries to do things after I say no. But I don't let him. If I just went with it, he could definitely do it even if I'd said no. He wants to do anal, and I don't want to. Last time he tried it, I, of course, said no. He tried anyway very aggressively, but I didn't let him. He got mad and kept saying, why not, why not? I started crying. I was pretty drunk, too, so my emotions just fell out. That pissed him off. And we talked about anal the other day, and I said we are never going to do it. And he said, that's stupid. I don't know why you would even say that. I was stunned. I feel like this is making my relationship with sex even more fucked up. How do I explain to him the way I feel about this? Or should I even try? How do I begin to rebuild my relationship with sex where it's healthy? to where it's healthy? How do I get over the hurt I experienced as a teenager? I'm hurting a lot over these things and really want to be able to be at peace with them. Thanks, Ashes.
0: Hey, Ashes. Thank you for telling us your story and sharing this with us. Um, I think you... I think the first thing I would say is like, I don't think that you're fucked up and your feelings about, you said you th- feel like you're sexually off and you, you know, there are these fucked up things, quote unquote, that make you feel aroused. I think that like you are, you experienced like intense fucking trauma and violation of your boundaries. And now your brain is trying to make sense of all of that. Um, So I don't think you're fucked up. I think that you really, really need to process and heal from, start to heal from everything that's happened to you. I think the first thing is if you're not in therapy, I think you you really need someone who has expertise, particularly in rape and sexual trauma to help you with this. Um, and I mean, we're going to talk about everything, but the other thing I would say is like basically everything you described about your boyfriend sounds so... it sounds abusive. It's, uh, You know, I'm trying to, I was trying to phrase it in a way that I think it's, I, I worry about saying things strongly because I, I'm afraid that it's going to be like a turn off to the, to the person who's listening and be like, no, it's not abuse. Like I'm not going to take your advice, but I don't actually know how to talk about this um, without calling it abuse. Everything from like not letting you eat when you want to, to being aggressive about sex, to coercing you into having sex. I mean, none of that is okay behavior. And I think that, I am not an expert. I'm not a professional, but I, 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 when I was in grad school, I did an internship at a place that, um, worked with kids who had been sexually abused and, um, yeah, had experienced sexual abuse. And one thing that I learned was that when you experience sexual abuse at a young age, it can really, it can be the first way that you learn about sex and you learn about your sexuality and you, you learn about boundaries basically by having them violated. Um, and you know, being raped at 14, that's like an incredibly formative time for anyone figuring out their sexuality. So honestly, like the fact that you're with someone who does not respect your boundaries at all, any of your boundaries, like that, that checks out to me like that math, you know? Um, so anyway, I'm going to stop. Catherine, you, do you want to jump in? Oh, I, I mean, yeah, obviously. So yeah, first of all, Ashes, thanks for writing in. You've
1: been through some really horrible things, let alone the rape, the trial, right? The What happens when rapes actually do go to trial and the guy actually gets convicted? We all know how rare that is. It's It's humiliating to be in the public and have people know things about you that are just intimate and private and horrific. It's just... Yeah, yeah, we we are not doing a good job in this world about a lot of things. So, I really do want to address quickly the whole thing about your fantasies. I did talk to a professional about this because I w- I I had read some things, I have some experience in like hearing this stuff and feeling it the same as well. Um, but I I just wanted to be extra cautious with this subject mm-hmm. matter because it's very upsetting to to hear how, you know. So I'm gonna say this, especially with victims of trauma, especially at such a young age. Everything you're feeling is normal. You know you're not gonna to touch kids. Your fantasies are your fantasies. And honestly, it's your brain's way. And this these are some theories, but people have found that overall it's your it's your way of handling the trauma and taking care of you. So you are not, you are not fucked up. You are not. Um, nothing's wrong with you. In fact, you are quite literally, your body is taking care of you. You, your brain is taking care of you. This is a hundred thousand percent normal. I cannot stress that enough. Again, it's totally different and you already know you're not going to hurt kids. You know that. You made that very clear. So yes, uh, as someone who has, I did not have nearly the abusive experiences you, but I did have my boundaries and my sexuality, you know challenged what is that a thing challenged I don't know so you know I was molested briefly at age eight and I did find myself the reason that people started asking questions was because I was doing things with dolls in front of Mm -hmm. people and I was having fantasies about myself and and being you know forced and all these things and I have had Sort of rape fantasies. I don't really talk about this often, but I, I also do talk about it in therapy. And I have learned myself that this is your way of taking control mm. of the situation. It is hundred percent normal. So that said, I really, really, really want you to see a therapist because your everything Sally said about your boyfriend. I, I too, I'm like that is abusive. I don't think a conversation is going to change anything, but I don't want you to feel hopeless. I want you to understand something if you start talking to a therapist about your relationships and also the way in which you might be replaying things that you were taught, you know, you are, you know, still living out the relationship structure that you were taught, right? And it's harmful and you clearly know that you're upset with it. A therapist, a talk therapist, not a psychiatrist, not, not medication. I want you to talk and, you know, really see someone if you can, because you have a lot of stuff to unpack and move forward with and the best way to move forward is with someone who can really help you take the next steps. You don't have to do this alone. I don't know what your relationship is with your family. It sounds like it's rough. You know, you you will be I just really want you to talk to somebody because you will continue to repeat the patterns in general. Like you know, people who have been with abusers tend to find more abusers. It's just the way it's just what you've been taught. It's not your fault. You know, you shouldn't feel ashamed, um, but I, I I don't feel comfortable if if you don't start talking about this with someone who is a professional who can help mm-hmm. you so that you can you know maybe it is a conversation with your boyfriend, but either way, I I just it pains me to even just hear how hurt you are every day by this person who is in effect and you know don't feel like it's your fault like it's just this is what you you tend to gravitate to with your history it's totally not your fault but you can get out of this Mm -hmm. you can get out of this you don't have to be abused every day Mm -hmm. you are you're being abused every day
0: yeah i think like the thing of like repeating the thing that you learned i think that that's also a thing that like everyone does like you, you grow up in a family that has a certain dynamic and so then when you're like out in the world as an adult you repeat that dynamic and like in many ways it's like it's like sometimes that ends up being good and in and in, in other ways in other relationships you're like let me change this dynamic this actually isn't functioning well for me oh so, i'm a bit yeah i was doing that a lot yeah i mean i think that's really normal i mean how like how else would you know how to behave other than if you're repeating stuff that happened to you when you were younger so i don't it doesn't again like it doesn't make you fucked up but i really um i think that you have stuff to process and deal with that you really can only do effectively with a professional and I, I hope that that person can help you in a basically safely exit your relationship. I, mm. I don't know what kind of danger you're in um, if you're in like if you are in danger with your partner. I mean, because the, what you've described, I don't know if this person would be amenable to you ending the relationship. Um, And so I don't want to, you know, I don't think neither neither Catherine nor I want to give the advice of like break up with him right now, because Mm if if that would make you even less safe, um, it's really not our advice to give. But there are so many resources out there in terms of like professionals and community health centers and hotlines that you can start to access to. Figure out how to extricate yourself from this one situation and then also start to process everything that you're going through. And processing things that you're going through is things that like all people I think have to do and should do. It just so happens that the stuff that you need to work through and and figure out is honestly, it's like a uh, trauma that is not every single person has experienced. Yeah. If you want, I mean, I, I hate giving out names
1: of organizations in case they're problematic, but I've never had any I've never heard anything terrible about rain.org. Mm-hmm. Um it's very it's called the uh I forget what the acronym stands for. But I'm on the website right now. They have live chat if you want to just find a professional and chat with somebody just to sort of your foot in the door and see yeah. how you feel about talking to someone. You can call them 24-7 at 1-800-656-HOPE. That's 4673. They also have, like I said, a chat option if you want to do the internet because I understand some people are more comfortable doing that. Um, they're available. They're around. Talk to somebody and sort of just see how that feels to talk to somebody who affirms that what you mm-hmm. went through was very traumatic, and uh, I think Sally and I are absolutely affirming that you know I think you know that you do need to get out of this relationship, but but also more important, get get yourself help because you have not received any support. It sounds mm-hmm. like,
0: and like i I really am a firm believer in you can feel better like you can start to like heal in some ways, like I think that you know it can feel like nothing will ever change or everything is so bad. How can I possibly feel any differently? And I, I really think that you can. Um, but it's like, you know, it's not a thing that you have to know how to do yourself. Like you don't have to know how to get over the hurt you experience Mm. as a teenager. You don't know, you don't have to know how to rebuild your relationship with sex because that's not a thing anyone knows how to do. That's a thing that people figure out how to do when a professional is helping them do it. So, Take the burden of fixing everything and healing everything completely yourself off of yourself and and let someone whose job it is take that burden. And th- it's not just that, like, they know what to do and they can help you. It's like it, it's their whole like p- there are people whose entire professional background is helping people process these kinds of traumas. And that like that, it's, it's like, you know, if the something in your apartment is broken and you call a handyman like it's like it's like their job to help you heal from things so yeah, like you don't know how to fix that pipe yeah like how get get that handyman in there no shame in that game get that brain handyman to come in and make some repairs. I I liken it. I I do not like yoga, but I liken it to this for people who are like, why therapy? So, you know, you can do the
1: yoga poses all you want. You can read about them, but until you have someone guiding you to do it the right way and that you have to keep going weekly or else they're going to be disappointed in you, you know, I mean, that's, sorry, that's a personal thing, but like someplace you have to go to, to work out your body, they're helping you work out the things they're guiding you it's their job to look after you and make sure you don't hurt yourself mm-hmm. while you're taking care of yourself yeah that's a, really that's good, a good point yeah
0: I, I was talking to this therapist for uh, an article i was writing and she was like here's how i describe therapy to people i and she works primarily primarily with young people she was like i i say to them like what if you got like a really bad cut on your arm would you just like keep putting band-aids on it right. until it like got infected and right. they had to remove your arm right. or would you like go and like get it stitched up and put on the ointment and keep it clean like therapy is that it's like the thing of like not just like putting band-aids on it until your arm eventually falls off
1: yeah yeah right it's very you know absolutely it's a very empowering feeling you're doing something to help yourself yeah so also one thing i want to say um just in general consent i i i yeah it's such um i even recently said to my boyfriend because i had a I had a little tear in my vagina, you know, I had a situation and okay. I couldn't have sex for a week. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. He's like, Kevin, why are you apologizing? And I do remember that it is a thing I have where if I don't give sex, I feel like I'm not showing them love. or I was taught that. Like, I just, mm-hmm. you know, I thought that I had to give sex, you know, even even now I'm still dealing with that feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, I only dated one asshole briefly who actually actually thought that Mm -hmm.
0: guys it's been a week can i say one more thing though actually like because i feel like my thing of like he's abusive isn't as helpful as like just talking about it a little bit more Mm. um so the i would just say like ashes if imagine that your letter is like something is like about a friend of yours if your friend told you that this is how they were being treated in their relationship what would you say? Would you be like, well, I mean, you probably didn't deserve to eat at that point or like, well, I mean, I guess, I mean, you do owe him sex after all. You, you probably wouldn't, you would probably, you would probably clock all of the ways he's treating you that you describe as just really not okay. Um, and so I just, I want to say that because like, I, I, I feel like maybe there's a part of you that knows that this stuff isn't okay, but, um, Maybe if we can like explain how and why it'll it'll make it click more. That is a
1: really really good point, Sally. And and there's times where I have to do that, where I have to go. What if a friend said the thing I just said to yeah, myself? Right. Like, oh come on, you right? Know? And, yeah. And it's hard when you're in it. Yeah. It's hard yeah. when you're in it.
0: But um, please take care of yourself. Please call Rain. Yeah. Please keep us posted about how you're doing. R a
1: i n n dot org. They have so many options. I've had friends who've called it and used it their services and said they're great. I personally have not, to be honest. I just want to make it clear that I don't have. Firsthand with with that chat line or whatever, but I have friends you have, and it's very helpful. They said,
0: um, but Ashes, please, please take care of yourself and keep yourself safe. Prioritize your own physical and emotional safety over anything and everything else in the world, and just take care of yourself.
1: Yes, please. Thank you so much for for being honest and writing it. And, yeah, and that's yeah. Um. All right. Wow. Well, we did a long episode because we had a lot to talk about. We did. And How I'm long okay has it been? with that. It's been one thirteen so far. I might Love have cut a few things up, but whatever. I'm into it. Yeah. Listen, so uh if you want to tweet at us at struggle bus pod. Go on to Instagram.com slash the Struggle Bus Pod to see these photos you've been taking. I'm I guess. so excited it's very exciting. Use the hashtag StrugglePodBuds420 to find a Struggle Buddy. Tweet at Sally T or me at SPK Heller. And to join our secret affirming self-care Facebook group, just email us at StruggleBusPodcast at gmail.com and we will get you in. If you hear back from us and you haven't gotten in the group yet, tell us. It didn't work. We want to know. We mm-hmm. want to get you in. This is not a you know exclusive thing. It's, just, uh,
0: it's a safe space. Anyway. Can, can I ask you to talk about one thing? Yes. Yeah, Can you, someone actually asked in the Facebook group that they were like, if I post, will my friends see it? Can you explain how it works? Yes.
1: So the way the secret group works is this, you, um, you're led in by us, you know, we just want to, you know, make sure everyone is, is people who listen. We, we once got an email from someone that looked like a fake email and Mm -hmm. we're like, we're not really this uh, person. Absolutely not. We just want to make sure you're a real person. Um, and so here's, here's the way I think about it. Uh, and how it actually works, but you have to always be aware. So I am a member of several of these. They've been wonderful. Once one got infiltrated, they closed it down. If anything were to happen, we would shut it down. Mm -hmm. It's because this is, you know, people are writing personal things. So if you write on the page, no one else sees it, but the people in the group, they can't search for it. You can't find the group. If you're not a part of it on Facebook, you can't search for it. You can't see anything of its existence. It's like the room of requirement. Right. That said, it's still the internet. So just be careful. Always. And the third thing I'll say is this one time, and this has happened a few times actually, I thought I'd posted in the group I was in. (laughs) You just quadruple check that you're posting in yeah. the group you're in. It you know, that's it. So if you are gonna write something very personal, serious, or about a friend, yes, it is a safe space. Right. But a secret. It's, it's secret. It's secret. But
0: you know, I think when when you said it is the internet, what you mean is like if, if you like leave yourself logged in and someone yeah. uses your computer or you like never know. or someone or you take a screenshot and it's saved somewhere, like we can't protect you ever, 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 ever from things you say being divulge yeah. but the group itself is totally secret yes
1: yes exactly and and your friends cannot search it and they can't see it so if you want to say oh my best friend is being such a meanie today that's okay that's that's safe but again
0: you know Whatever. Yeah. So,
1: um, yeah. So the email address again is strugglebuspodcast at gmail.com.
0: Give us questions. We're blowing through them. Yeah. Stop, You guys. Look, now it's not <laughs> even a joke. I know I've made all these jokes. I'm like, hey, guys, you're so great. Stop solving each other's problems. I'm not even joking anymore. Stop it. Stop solving each other's problems. Write to us, please. I know. On the Facebook group, uh,
1: to to clarify, there are a lot of people that are saying, hey, instead of writing in the show, I'm going to write it right here, which is great. But we're like, is oh,
0: it we great? Want to talk about- let me let me say this. If you have a question that <laughs> where like the whoever's seeing it has to. Clear like read more to read your question that's for us that's not for the group I'm just kidding sort of
1: <laughs> well we want to hear from you and also tell people about the show yeah right and uh, we will have some member benefits and pins we and sure will. oh my god what is it called ticket to ride would you ticket have to ride. fair card fair
0: card nah, we haven't we're, figured it out we're making we're a thing we're workshopping it we're
1: workshopping yeah. something really cool that you can have and put in your wallet what okay so um the song of the week yeah
0: Sally <clears throat> do you see what I wrote down I do. And I think, is this what I think it is? It is
1: exactly what you think it is. Guys, I don't know why this song has never been on the podcast. How has it taken us 60- however many? 60 summit episodes. All I'm going to say: this is the song of the week because it's awesome. We're going to play you 30 seconds of Mm -hmm. it. You know what it is. You know it. You love it. Turn around, bright eyes. Hey, let's play it right now. Throw these mics on the ground. The best damn song ever. Ever. Thank you so much for listening. I'm
0: Kate. I'm Sally. Bye. Bye.